On today's episode of the BCT Sports Podcast, we get into MLB action, or lack of action, going on by the MLPA and the Owners Association there. We then get into some NBA talk, how will they come back and when will they come back. Also, we get into the NHL. We look at their playoff format that they have rolled out and we dive deep into that action. Beyond that, we get into the celebrity golf tournaments and go over a bit of what-ifs. That is today's episode of the BCT Sports Podcast. Should be a good one. All right. Welcome to the third episode of the BCT Sports Podcast presented by Quick Takes. Getting right into it, Bill, let's start with some MLB talk. Yeah, so over the past week or so, there's been a lot of back and forth between the MLB's player union, the owners, and the commissioner and all that. Trying to find a middle ground, common ground between these teams and players of how to get the MLB season back underway. Uh, Players have a lot of demands. Owners have a lot of demands. Uh, Looking at a potential 82-game season, which is half the year of what it would typically be. And I think most of us are in the same boat. We just want to see baseball get back. So, Taylor, do you want to get into the things and news from these discussions? So far, what we know is that the players have agreed on, for their salary structure for the year, a prorated salary that drops it down to however many games they play. So based on their salary that they would go into with 162-game season, whatever percentage of the season they play would be the percentage of the salary they would recoup in regards to just an overall sum of money. Now, the biggest issue is that the MLB came out with a proposal the other day in which they asked players to take even more of a salary cut off of that prorated salary based on percentages that escalated based on um, how much money you made. So it was uh, the breakdown started with about, it was like 90%. If you made the MLB minimum, you would, you would actually make 90% of that salary. If you made over, I think it was $25 million, you would make 20% of your salary. Mm-hmm. So it's a 70% difference from the lowest to the highest. And the MLBPA said that was unacceptable. And they said they wouldn't even negotiate any more salary cuts on top of the parade regardless. They said that they were going to treat that as if it never came across their desk. They came out with their own proposal. It's supposed to be coming out within the next couple of days. So the biggest sticking point right now between the MLBPA and the MLB is salaries has obviously been seen in and i know cole was talking about this a little bit earlier trevor bauer voices opinions on twitter because scott boris came out and basically told his clients and anybody within the mlbpa that was his that were his clients not to back down do not take any cuts they need you to play the sport trevor bauer had some choice words for for boris meddling in pa business so i don't know if you want to go well, so how much is that with boris protecting his own paycheck as well you know? It's huge because he makes he makes a percentage of whatever the players make. Yeah, so, so it's foolish. It's for, foolish for him to say like, "Don't for you to back down and take a pay cut." It's foolish for him to project that onto his players because then it's projecting a pay cut on his own salary. So I find it preposterous that people are supporting the players in this situation and the MLPA. I I, I think it's very tone deaf to the current situation in that the MLB is a dying sport right now, or it's based off salary, but. The ratings do. They're getting terrible national numbers. Sometimes NHL is pulling better numbers nationally than them. And they just can't get their act together. And people are seeing this like, oh, here's the baseball players doing their own thing again, just just wasting away time. Whereas even every other major sports league, 
has had a contingency plan of when they wanted to get back to the season, whereas the MLB is having discussions on salaries. That's the main point of contention, which is understandable. But beyond that, they're bringing up useless points, right, in bringing the game back. Like a key point of contentions by the MLBPA was that players were upset that they couldn't take a steam or a bath or anything after the, after the game. They thought that was a key point of contention during the coronavirus, and they said that was unacceptable as well. So I, I'm losing faith in the, the MLB players. Well, to your point about tone deaf, right now I think up to 15% of America is unemployed and not getting a paycheck, yet these players are demanding full And that's salaries. self-proclaimed unemployed in searching. So, yeah, they, they could be playing. They could be playing right now to their own choices, and yet they're not. Um, tone deaf again, I know some points, Blake Snell, who is at best an above-average pitcher. Yesterday he had one really good season. He's like, I'm getting my money. Charlie Blackman bringing up the point of, I don't care what's going to happen. I'm going to spit in public during the baseball games. This was a not-argued point that is causing further tension between the two sides and stirring the pot. Why are they doing this? I think there are points to make. If you want to make the grander point that they're millionaires and they don't need the money and all these things, that, that's, that's a point you can make, and there's not much you can do to argue it, and 15% of America's unemployed, I understand that. But to say that the players have no stance and to think, think that the owners have a better stance than the players is completely preposterous because the money is going to come in, and it basically right now is just depending on where it goes. So would you rather see players who are playing the sport get paid what they've already signed for in a prorated amount or would you rather the owners take more money from them and put it in their pocket? So would you rather see one guy get paid millions of dollars or the players who are risking their lot, not necessarily risking their lives, but going out <laughs> on the field and putting well, you gotta Stephen Wright sliding into second. He's risking his life. Would you rather give the money to the guy who's going to sit up by himself in the box and watch the game? Or are you going to give it to the guys on the field who might be getting the coronavirus, who are now taking months away from their families? Like, the money's going to go somewhere. The money's going to come in. See, Taylor, so that's, at- that, that's beyond the argument that I'm, I'm trying to make. I'm looking at it through the lens of the MLB as a whole. So I'm stacking up the players and the owners. I find the players is more of a contentious attitude to what the owners are suggesting right now. But them lumped in as a whole is absolutely disgusting. They, they can't get anything done. They're Taylor, useless. And they the don't money- want to get anything done, which is Taylor, even more preposterous. Point. The players should be making their money, but I don't like that they're not trying to bargain for their prorated salaries. If you're playing half the games, you deserve half your money, and they're arguing that's, what they that have that's agreed. not the case. That's what they have agreed. They have already agreed upon a prorated salary based on the amount of games they play. They get the whatever percent of their full year salary, whatever percent of the year they play, that's the percent of the salary they'll make. Then the why MLB is there an issue? To, the why MLB tried issue? to dock it even more. The MLB said it, so they wanted it now. Whatever your prorated salary was, based on however much you made. So if you made over $25 million on your normal salary, they would prorate it for the 82, and then you would make 20% of that prorated amount. That's only at the top players. Don't you agree right, that the lower players should be making the majority of their money? It's like taxes. I understand that, but I also don't think you need pay cuts on top of the prorated salaries. Because at that point, whatever money that's getting taken off of the prorated is just going right into the owner's pocket. Yeah, and so, they're, they're bleeding money right now. They're hemorrhaging money. Like, like, look at all these leagues right now. They're losing, as proposed by Bob Costas there, he came out with a report saying that the MLB teams could be losing up to 50 per, 58% of their revenue. Right, but you have players losing over 90% of their salary. So that's not proportional. Mm-hmm. Now, the one other thing I will say, though, is in, in terms of the MLB versus other leagues, you cannot look at those in the same light in terms of how much money they're going to get paid because, and, and how quickly they're coming back. 
because the MLB hasn't even started their season. They're looking at 82 games. The NHL came back so quick because it's a playoff format. They're jumping straight to the playoffs. The, N- the NBA, too, playoff format. You're looking at maybe a month worth of playoffs, and that's about it. They're going to keep this as short as possible. Even with other leagues that are going to resume in normal play, like the Premier League and some of the leagues overseas, they were halfway to three-quarters of the way through. They have however much left they have, and that's it. For the MLB, you're jumping into a beginning of the season, a full not, – not a full, but like a half season that's going to take months, plus playoffs on top of that, depending on how they set that format. And when you look at guys being kept away from their families, if they keep them isolated, if you look at length of exposure to possible sickness – injuries, whatever, it, it's apples and oranges. You can't compare the two equally. So you can say, okay, like, why are they dragging their feet? Because they have a full season to play plus playoffs, and they want to take even more money than all the other leagues have taken. None of the other leagues have docked the players. I don't even think they – I think other than taking away the games that they weren't – that they didn't play, they're not docking them any playoff money. If they come back and play, they're going to get paid their full salary for the playoff games. The Cause MLB technically, – Because technically those other teams hasn't lost nearly as much as the MLB has lost. Right, but – when you look at it in terms of how much money is going to get brought in when baseball is the only sport on television, it's, no, it's not going to be. It's, this, this thing's going to go on forever. And then to a, a, another point that I'm going to make later on, as reported by Kevin O'Connor, the NBA is projecting to come back July 31st. So good luck. They'll still be cumulatively the most watched sport. This whole no. entire summer. Yeah, okay. They will, so, they will be. And then the NHL is coming back too in July? Yeah, okay. They will be. I think that was a good a good start off topic um, regarding the MLB, but I want to transition now to a different baseball topic just for a quick minute. It was actually reported this morning, um, and I think this will further our hate of David Price. Mm. So David Price is going to donate $1,000 to every single Dodgers minor leaguer to help them. Um, since their seasons are canceled, they're not making any money, and – from a humanitarian perspective, that's fantastic. I'm glad he's doing it. He's given $1,000 to each player to help them out. They make a lot less money. But as a Red Sox fan, this just continues to boil our blood. He did absolutely nothing for the Red Sox, complained every possible chance he got, didn't give anything back to us, and now he's giving money to people he's never even met. I think this is his, his way of marketing himself to a new area so they don't hate him as much as his reputation proceeds. So who can have more jersey sales? He's not seen as a bad guy. Oh. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point you make. I mean, $1,000 is a drop in the bucket compared to how much money he's made over his career. That's like that's less, that's less than the stimulus package. <laughs> that's less than um, – so, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting that he would do that and also pat himself on the back for doing it as well. That's a bit strange. I don't think it's a fair point, though, to make that David Price never did anything for the Red Sox in terms of the players. Now, I understand the fan, to the, towards the fan base and towards other people, he rubbed people the wrong way. But within the clubhouse and within inner circles, he was always regarded as one of the best clubhouse guys of all time. Yeah. Everybody loves him. And you forget that almost all the fights that he got in with the media were not about himself. They were yes. about other teammates. What do you mean? Eckersley Ask fight, Dennis Eckersley Taylor. The Eckersley fight was about Eduardo Rodriguez. It was not about David Price. I can tell you how good it feels to, um, to hold that trump card. Yes, it was a comment he made about Eduardo Rodriguez, and he stood up for Eduardo because he was still kind of a rookie second-year player at the time, and that's why he confronted Eck. Now, does it, I'm not saying it excuses anything he did. I'm just saying that it's not fair to say that he never did anything for the Red Sox because within the clubhouse, he did a lot. He's always been a guy that's always taken guys under his wing and helped out younger guys. However... <laughs> His actions towards the public and his actions when he gets put on blast are, are another thing that you can kind of look at. Um, no, I'm soft. 
You know, it's if it's cold, I can't pitch. You know, if my hand's tingling, I can't do my job. You know, it's, that's it. I definitely think there was some marketing involved in this. I think that there was definitely some some of it was trying to get him to kind of save face. But my take is so he makes thirty million dollars a year. He's at most paying one hundred eighty thousand. It's essentially one month's rent for each of these players. Great, I'm happy. But the people of Boston and their fans paid his salary, and it's come out to 0.1% of his annual salary, these donations. So I don't really see it as a big thing. It's just simply he's saving money. He's increasing jersey sales. I guess it's a smart move in his fault. And, and also, I think hate is a strong word for David Price in my regard. I just don't like him that much. All right. So uh, the NHL has created a playoff plan to come back, much less it's moved way past MLB in that regard. They proposed a 2014 playoff. And I guess the best way to describe it is a round-robin type technique here where two teams battle off in a, for a play-in round to which they play uh, the one through four seed on the perspective East versus West. I want your guys' perspectives on it. I'm, lo- I'm looking at the, the seeding right now, and it, it proposes a lot of different questions, I think. So I think 12 in each conference is too much. I think 10, 10 would have been appropriate because those teams were in closer contention could have given them time to make up the ground of those two games. So I think 10 is appropriate. For example, Montreal is a wild card in the 12th seed. They are a Bruin killer, so specifically that hurts us. Then in the West, the Blackhawks are also the 12th seed who did not deserve to be in. And these two teams pose serious threats to upper-level uh, upper teams who were more successful in the regular season. And we know those teams can get hot. Everything in the regular season could go to waste. I think the format is per- perfect for hockey. I like the round robins. I like that it's kind of crazy. It's weird the way they put it all together. I think that – I don't think it would work as well for the NBA. I don't – I think the top four teams at the top doing a round robin thing to kind of determine seeding would not work well with the NBA. But I think that for hockey where anything can happen, and it's one of those sports where play, with playoff hockey, seeding doesn't really matter at all. It, it, it fits the format of the NHL perfectly. So – what is your guys' takes for these upper-tier teams? Does the enlarged playoff format help the top four seeds, hurt them? So going off what Cam Neely said yesterday, he says it hurts them. It, it, it doesn't improve their situation that much because he says right now the biggest, the biggest problem they have with their team is, is that rust, right? They've had a long period off away from hockey. E- even training facilities haven't been opened. So if you get the Maple Leafs and Columbus Blue Jackets basically have a tune-up game before the Bruins go in there, right? You could easily say some wild upsets, you know, just just because of a pure um, time away from the game. Yeah, but I love that because with this year, I mean, I've been saying this from the beginning when everything kind of got canceled and they started talking about coming back, get crazy because it's an, there's an asterisk on this year anyways. No one's going to take the result of this year as seriously as every other year. They're not looking at it like, oh, well, they ran the table through the whole season. They're going to be like, if the Bruins lose in the first round, they're going to say, well, you know what? They didn't play for two months, and then they came back, and they got they caught a hot team. Like, the NHL has always kind of been the place you go for crazy playoff moments because you never know what's going to happen. Like, I mean, you look at the Blues last year. They, they had a hot goaltender, and they rode it all the way to the end of the finals. Like, crazy things happen in hockey. And I think it'd be it's really cool here to see 12 teams now in the playoffs as opposed to the normal amount. And imagine a team like the Rangers at the 11th seed or the Montreal Canadiens who maybe who wouldn't have been in the playoffs, who now are in the playoffs. Imagine them getting into, like, the semifinals. Like, it could be a fun story to watch. At this point, I just want the most entertaining hockey and sports in general possible. 
So make it, make it crazy. Make it nuts because it's not going to happen again. This is never going to happen again. Bill? I think both of you are right. I think that this season's going to have an asterisk regardless. But I also think it's a disadvantage to those top teams. So the way I look at it is, like I said before, I thought 10 was a more appropriate number, but we have 12. If the Bruins were the best team, they were the present trophies winners. If they're the best team, they need to be able to continue it and show that they are the best team by beating these teams who might have had an extra tune-up game before them, like the Maple Leafs or Blue Jackets. If you're the best, you have to beat the best. All right, so going into this next topic here, the NBA had a closed-door conference call with um, GMs there, um, Adam Silver leading, leading the conversation here. And basically, they took a poll on suggesting various types of new NBA formats. Um, going off a source here of Kevin O'Connor, uh, half the uh, league's general manager voted to go straight to the playoffs and cancel the rest of the regular season. And then just over half of the league uh, resist, uh, reseeded the playoffs 1-16 to 16 without factoring in conference affiliations. So one thing I learned from that was that the NBA is not good at math because how can you have 50% and also um, just over 50% on the same poll? I don't know how that works. One thing I love about this is that they call them closed-door press conferences, and yet, like, five minutes after, everything gets leaked. So it's like, <laughs> there's no closed door. There are closed doors for however long the meeting's going on, and then you find out everything about two minutes after. Yes. But, again, I think it's kind of like, I think it's Silver kind of being like, all right, what do you guys want? And I'll take that into consideration, but no promises. Like, he's going to do what he thinks is best. And I don't know what they're going to do with the NBA, but I think that the players in this league – are starting to kind of pull an MLB situation where you had a guy like Damian Lillard, who's one of the biggest stars in the league, especially when you look at guys who play in like middle markets that aren't very big and really are kind of based around that one guy saying that he won't play anything as other than playoff games. If the Blazers don't have a chance to be in the playoffs, he will not play. So if you have guys that start to leverage like that kind of forces your hand a little bit because he's a big draw. You lose that entire Northwest part of the country. If, Dame doesn't play. Also, I, I find that funny because like we just had a whole Jordan documentary and how he specifically cited that he played basketball to, for the fans, right? And he specifically said that like like in a in a game where they had the number one seed wrapped up for the playoffs, he would still try to go out and get fifty and gut out a win because he was playing for the fans. I like how um Damian Lillard does not have that in him. That's great. Thank you, Dame. I don't know if it's fair to necessarily say he doesn't have it in him. I think this is kind of again, it's a sending circumstances. This is not a normal season like Dame Dame when the regular season was playing and the Blazers got eliminated played all the way through and he was yeah. still I mean and he carried that team by himself in the playoffs many times so <laughs> I mean last year and specifically if you watched him in those playoff series he was the only player on the court other than McCullum at times and maybe Nurkic who could look at all like a star for Portland and he's done it every year but I think that guys guys right now don't want to come back and risk not, I don't even know if it's necessarily risking be getting sick or risking anything like that, but that's definitely on their minds. But on top of that, being isolated in Disney World without your like without your whole family, oof, for extended periods of time, like that. That's, playing that's basketball, kind of playing basketball. That's that's a tough scenario, Taylor. Thank you for painting that picture for me. Well, think about this: if you have no chance of making the playoffs, and Dame, obviously, that's that's the number the number one thing on his mind. If you have no chance, why are you going to go spend a month isolated from everybody, everybody, as opposed to kind of just staying where you're at? Because it's your job. But at that point, if you're eliminated, like, there's no point. Yeah, there's no but point you still have a job. You, you get the point that I'm making, right? So what I, Cole's no, I saying is, 
what Cole's saying is if the company's goal was to make 2 million in sales and with a week left in the quarter, you only are at a million, we shouldn't go into work. I think that's what Cole's trying to say, but Taylor, I understand both perspectives. I think or another perspective here, Bill, if you made $2 million in sales and you hit your quota and you had three weeks left, do not just show up to the office. Do you just sit at home and just be like, I'm not going in. It doesn't make sense to me. You have a job, Dame. If they say you have to do eight tune-up games and guess what? You you don't have a playoff contention. You still have a job. You're still getting paid. You got to go. Sorry. I think the difference it's, is that there's scenarios on the table that would probably make them more money in which he does have a chance to make the playoffs. And number two, you talk about that sales thing, but if they say, you know what? There's a chance. Might be very minimal, but there's a chance that the second you walk in the door, you're going to get coronavirus. Like, <laughs> and you're going to be in an elevated situation to get it. Yep. That's a little bit different mm-hmm. because no, we're I, in I, extenuating I, circumstances. Okay, it's not so like I, he's saying I'm taking the end of the year off in a normal NBA season because that's completely different. It's not like they got eliminated after game 60 and he was like, you know what? Well, the final 22, I'm going to sit out. No, like, and there's, there's, there's an easy where, way around this, Taylor, and that's just and if all the tune-up games are going to be in playoff contending teams. So there's an easy way around that. Beyond that, what do you call it? General managers anonymously favored expanding the rosters in the postseason, sources said. However, there is no set date for when games will actually be played again. No definitive schedule was discussed on Thursday's call with general managers. But rumblings across the league suggest that the NBA will require teams to arrive in Disney World around July 16th, at which point they'll quarantine for a determined amount of time before group workouts resume and scrimmages begin. And then games can begin on Friday, July 31st. Per source, Kevin O'Connor. I'm okay. Go, go for it. If you, want, if you want to play, if you have the right structures in place, if there's enough player and owner support, go for it. And if it's safe, obviously. I think yeah. that July 31st is probably the most realistic date they've put out because everybody kept on saying it was going to be early June. They're going to come back mid-June, like late July. And it's kind of just kept on getting pushed push back. And I think that the 31st is probably just about where – where it could be like that's a realistic time frame at this point yeah and i think going back to our previous argument that spells disaster for the mlb because if you go up try to go up and open the season right around then against the nba juggernaut there you're not you're, you might pull decent local ratings but the national ratings are just going to be terrible for that because everyone's going to be glued to watching what the heck's going on with the nba and also beyond that looking at it through the perspective of the mlb players right there right you're, you're telling me that like the blue jays versus um, the Orioles, early, uh, early meaningless games in the 82-game season is going to have an, even a fighting chance against um, LeBron versus the Clippers or the Lakers versus Clippers. They won't beat it, but I think that you'll see the MLB get creative with times, with time slots. They're going to move games around. They're going to run double headers. They're going to do shorter games. It's going to be right. – Shorter games? What do you mean by that? So one of the proposals is that they play seven inning games when and they play double headers. So what they would do is they'd play six games six days a week, and on the sixth day it would be two seven inning double double headers. So it'd be I'm advocating for seven innings for years now. Right with 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 the way they're looking at playing too. If they don't use home stadiums and they use like hub cities like a lot of these people are doing, or if they use like hub locations, they talked about doing Arizona and Florida and using the spring training complexes. The games are not going to be all at like seven o'clock anymore they're going to run like an 11 o'clock a one o'clock uh, whatever and they're going to basically have to push the games all the way through as quick as they can and because that, that brings up a great point taylor if you look at the yankees and red sox two huge market teams you know a lot of their games pull great ratings at 11 and one when they move them there that's why they play a lot of those games at those times 
So uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, who's going to be watching a baseball game at 11 or 1? No, no, MLBs avoid those time slots like the play because no one watches them. Everyone's busy. Yeah, but with, when <laughs> nobody's had sports for so long, people are going to be itching for anything they can get. Yeah, and then they're going to watch baseball. Back, everything's going to get watched. And then they're going to watch baseball after they went through a terrible um, a terrible MLB MLBPA agreement where they just painted themselves as absolute lunatics. And they're going to be, they're going to want to sit down and watch that. That's that's true. Pretty much. Well, as Boston fans, are we going to choose a Celtics playoff game or are we going to choose a Red Sox early season game? We're going to choose a playoff game. And unfortunately, a lot of these major markets in the NBA coincide with an MLB team. So MLB has got to get going if they want to play because they're going to lose half their viewers unless you're a real diehard baseball fan. You want to check back and forth. So they want to see Ryan Weber pitch on a Saturday morning. So I was looking at um, a stat here. <laughs> Um, SB Nation, you know those guys, right? Uh, yeah. They did a poll. It's like, how much do you want the MLB season to come back? Or like, do you want the MLB? And then what do you call it? 45% of the people said they don't want it to come back. I was like, oh, what? They, they, they specifically said that they don't want it to come back? <laughs> don't, just, just keep no. it. Just keep it. We don't want it. We don't want it. <laughs> All right. So our closing comments here in the last minutes, we're getting into, uh, there was the Brady Mickelson and uh, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning golf tournament last weekend there. And it pulled um, the best numbers for cable TV golf tournament, which is crazy. So I was trying to think of an idea of like, what would your dream 2v2 be? I want like legends from every sports league that isn't golf to play 2v2. Like I don't want any professional golfers. I want like Barkley and MJ versus like two MLB Hall of Famers versus – Peyton and Tom on a team. Like, I want, like, all the legends to come back and play Mm. because I don't care about the golf. I like watching them be horrible because it's funny. I just want the trash talk. Like, I want MJ trash-talking Tom Brady all day because that's the best part. The best part of the whole – the whole – the the Brady-Manning match was that they were mic'd up, and they didn't didn't trash talk as much as I would have liked them to. But, like, it was, like, the small little comments when Peyton's, like, bringing up Nick Foles and, and, and Tom saying that Tennessee hasn't been good since Peyton was there. Like, I wanted more of that. I want them to just constantly trash talk each other the entire time. I want to see Neymar play, <laughs> considering if he can't swing a baseball bat, maybe it'd be worse playing golf. Um, also, <laughs> Manny Ramirez. Ooh. Manny playing golf. Imagine that. So what I was thinking in my mind would be, like, pin outside leagues against each other. So it's, like, MLB versus NHL. Yeah, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or do like MMA versus boxing. <laughs> See, like that's what I want. I want like all random guys that like you never knew played golf coming so, back and like play, like I want like the best leagues to play each other. And maybe you maybe you do like um maybe you put you pair every league with like a golf star or something like that. Maybe you maybe you do like you do like like teams of three and you put like a golf player on every team. So at least there's a little bit of like or they coach or something like that. Like they're like they caddy for them. Like that'd be kind of funny. Like oh, you have caddy, I like that. Yeah. All the PGA Tour pros like caddying for like MJ and Barkley, and MJ's just ripping apart the caddy the whole time. Was made millions of dollars on golf. So like, <laughs> what I what I was thinking was like you have the NHL. Let's do this perspective here. You got Wayne Gretzky and I don't know. Pick like Sidney Crosby or Stephen Stamkos. One of the I know both those guys play golf, so they they could be someone that could actually like put up a fight and then have Jordan and um, who's in, what's another NBA player that loves playing golf or like even like, curry. yeah, you could do curry, do Jordan and curry one, like arguably the greatest of all time player or what I think Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time. And then I think, Jordan's, I think Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. So pin those two guys and then 
their um their modern equivalent right i like that so i i think that would be cool and then have their caddies be a comedian um <laughs> so so have like the nhl guys be um like bill burr and have the mlb guy or the um nba guy be uh pete davidson yeah, no, we're not doing Pete Davidson. But, um, Dave Chappelle, have him beat Dave Chappelle. <laughs> so like that, that that'd be a legendary match right there. I like it. Right, I think yeah. we just completely reinvented the sport of golf. Yes. So ratings right there, the roof. If, yeah, if you got those ratings through the roof, or you, even better, if you got like Shaquille O'Neal on there, just to see how how big his clubs would have to be, just I to want, have him out there. Chara. I want Shaq and Barkley on a team, not for the golf, but just for Shaq and Barkley going back and forth and not understanding a word that's being said. <laughs> yeah, and then have one Kenny, of my favorite and then parts, have Kenny the Jet be the, um, be the be the caddy there. Be the caddy. I, one of my favorite parts of the of the match was just Barkley saying things that made no sense to like no golf involved, nothing, and then the exact opposite always happening, or him sounding completely irrelevant. Like at one point he was like he was like you know what. I love Tom's personality. I didn't know Tom had a good personality until now, but I love it. I'm like, thanks, Charles. <laughs> He's been in the public eye for like 25 years. He couldn't figure out his personality at all. Still can't. Still can't. <laughs> I swear, Charles Barkley goes home and just sits in a dark room, and then he comes out and he's like, "All right, guys, like I got this. I got some things to say." Like, my, my favorite thing about Charles Barkley is his takes on Draymond Green. There, so every <laughs> single night, Draymond Green has a terrible. Night. It's like, oh, another triple single, and then. <laughs> Hey, Shaq, uh, Draymond don't talk as much since he's having that triple single. <laughs> what are you averaging, Shaq? A triple single? Draymond Green has, like, a little fit in the, like, the press conference. He's like, I can't believe he's been saying that to me. I can't understand. I'm a great player. It's like, dude, go back and watch how good Charles Barkley says. He can say whatever he wants to basically 98% of his league. All right, thus concludes this episode of the BCT Sports Podcast brought to you by the Quick Takes Podcast Network. Make sure to check out our Instagram at Quick Takes. Make sure to subscribe to Spotify to get all the latest BCT Sports Hoop Scoop and Dingo Show, all brought to you by the Quick Takes Podcast Network. See ya!